Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I am Nick Webster, the Vice President of Adults on the Cow South Board. And today I'm delighted to introduce the Vice President of Youth Soccer on the Cow South Board, Anthony Pisicoli. Anthony, how are you? Hey, Nick. Good to be here. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, it's always great to have new voices, new new thoughts, and to bring the Cow South board to life because I think many people just see us as this mysterious overlord. And in fact, we're just regular people that love the game of soccer. No, I, I think sometimes they think we're just these people that don't understand the game at all, make these arbitrary rules just to make their lives difficult. But there is a method to the madness somewhere. Yes, I did hear that a soccer ball is in fact round and not square the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like my soccer knowledge is is really coming on in leaps and bounds. So, you know, let, let's let's get into the nuts and bolts of Anthony Pisicoli and, and the vice president of youth. What actually does that mean? Well, you know, it, it's kind of an all-encompassing uh, overseer of the, the youth game in, in Southern California, I guess. Uh, but no, really, it's it's just I, I get to sit in these board meetings and sit in our committee meetings and, and be out on the field and talk to coaches and administrators and, and parents and players and, and kind of get an idea of what they uh, what they want from the game, what they need from us, um, what we can do better to to make their experience better. And um, it, it's a rewarding position. It, it's it's great to be able to talk to people at all different levels and see the the inner workings of, of our game in Southern California and um, do what I can to try to make things better. Both you and I are, are very lucky that we have children who are, who love the sport of soccer and, and yes. you know, I'm out on the fields every weekend as as you are. Um, have you noticed any significant changes since we've come back from obviously the COVID pandemic and, and youth soccer's back in full swing? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's some significant changes. I, I think there's a, a different attitude that I see out there in, in both bad and good. I'll be honest. Um, I think there are those that are still just, happy to be out there playing again and that goes from coaches and referees and administrators and, and players of course and parents are happy to be able to see their kids again and um you see a lot of that but on the other hand i i think there's i think there's some some of the bad things that were there before we we hit the pandemic have intensified a little bit and i, I speak mostly of uh, side sideline behavior um, both from coaches and parents and, um, you know, in the midst of a, a referee shortage, I, I think it, it's even more problematic and, and in focus for me when I'm out there. Um, you know, not, not to dwell on the negative, but, you know, some of the things that are really troublesome for me is some of the reports that I'm getting from from clubs, especially that, that come from our inner cities or, or lower income areas that are going into some of the areas that may be more uh, the, the suburbs or affluent. And, um, and, and kids just hearing things uh, that they shouldn't be hearing on a soccer field. I personally, Nick, I look at 
the soccer field is a place for for kids to go as an escape. They have a lot. Kids have a lot of pressures on them now, and uh, I look at it as that place they can get away from school. They can get away from home issues that they might have. They can get away from other things, and and I want it to be fun and a, a rewarding experience for them. But you know, we're, sometimes we're hearing racial epithets, or we're hearing uh, just parents yelling at small children on the field and not, not their own necessarily. And that, you know, that's one thing, but they're, these are other people's kids that they're yelling and screaming at and um, yelling and screaming at the referees. And uh, it's just something that we really, that's really important to me to address. And, you know, if I'm looking at what's going forward for, for Cal South and in my position, I think that's really a priority for me is to, to help in the education piece uh, for parents and, and, and coaches as well and and the players. Um, so the players know that this isn't what it should be like and that what they should expect. Because I think on the other part of that is that we're losing players because it's not fun for them. It's, it's not fun for them to go out there and have people yell and scream at them. They just want to go play soccer like we did when we were kids. Um, so that's what I've seen change. Um, and, you know, like I said, good and bad. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, from my experiences as well, there is there is so much joy to be had within the game and within the parents and the kids. And and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that. But to your point, I'm also noticing there is that angst. Uh, there's an underlying frustration and... I think what we've seen from sports and this is look this is the beauty of sports sports is an incredible release okay it's a it's a it's a huge release of energy it's a huge release of enthusiasm and it and as we've noted it can be a huge release for angst as well and i think you know obviously the pandemic has has, there's a lot of built up (laughs) built up angst within people and i think sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing and i say this from first-hand experience as a parent as a coach and now as a referee, I've started refereeing. Oh, and nice. You joined the group. Honestly, it's it's bonkers out there. You know, I mean, as, as a coach and a parent, I, the referee was always maybe sometimes an impediment to my enjoyment of the game. <laughs> um, but now on the other side, now I'm, now I'm the one blowing the whistle. I understand. I have a full, deep appreciation of what referees are going through and, and and why they can become so irritated because all you're trying to do is facilitate a game there's there's no uh, i mean i i can't i can't speak for every referee but every game i've i've officiated in there's no bias i just call it as i see it and the uh and and thankfully you know i i had the career in tv so I'm pretty thick-skinned, Anthony. So, right. as as the abuse rings down on me, I, I I usually find a great way to make to make a joke of, of it. But you know, I, I really agree with you, and I think I think it's incumbent on, upon us as as Cal South members of the board to constantly be out there and preaching the love of the game and the special joys that it brings to everybody, rather than having to constantly go. Yeah, but this parent and mm, this coach and right. uh, this team and it and it and it really you know 
it's what, what what's that saying where you know you, you spend 80 percent of your time on the on the on the 20 percent uh which is completely inverse of what it should yeah, be right? and it's it's human nature i guess and and we all do it but it, it's trying to uh remind like you said remind everybody that you know this is fun this is you're out here you if you're a parent you're getting to watch your kids play a, a game it, this is a for a finite period of time they're going to grow up and you're not going to get to do that anymore and you're going to miss it and you know i'm getting to that stage where my daughter is getting close to aging out of youth soccer and i i can tell you i i feel it i'm going to miss it um i'm going to miss being out there every week watching her play but um it, it's been a, a great experience the ups and downs and and everything and you know it, it let, touch back on what you were saying about referees and you know i joked when i was refereeing look i'm equally bad for everybody I'm, and it, it's you know they're not going to be perfect and nothing's going to be perfect in the game and that's kind of the beauty and the joy in the game is not perfect it's 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 imperfect and it's uh, by its very nature and and that's why it's exciting to watch and that's why we tune into those pro games on tv or the watch the national team or because you know you know something something different can always happen and, and it's the same for these games and I, I think the more we can just learn to enjoy it and uh accept the things that we can't uh, always control the better it will be for the kids well what i've been saying to players coaches and parents recently was look if i got them all right all the time it'd be boring <laughs> <laughs> That, that usually gets a, a little chortle out of them. I think it, your, your point about fun, okay, and, and that's why that's why our kids play, because, you know, above all, it is fun. And I would hate to lose players because, as, as you pointed out, the fun's being taken out of the sport. And so I, I guess this is, this, this is like the $64,000 question, and I'm not even sure that we're in the right place to answer it, but how do we keep the sport fun for the kids which is after all the driving force behind what we, we what we do at cal south well nick i mean i think it's something we've talked about many times i i think we need to focus on all of our players from from the beginning rec players to the you know the ones that will play professionally someday or play d1 college soccer. Um, I, I think there's a place for everybody in this game. And it's, it's easy to let our focus drift to the ones that are the highest achievers in the game. But, but that's not the majority of the players playing. Um, and I, I think we need to look for ways to, to adjust rules, to adjust uh the manner of play, you know, I know you and I have talked about different, uh, different ways to play the game that aren't your traditional 11 B 11, uh, soccer game. And, and I think, um, I think providing those sorts of opportunities, I know you've worked hard on the, the, the beach soccer side of things and, and some other areas that, um, can, can do that. And, uh, I think that's where our focus needs to be is really looking at the game as a whole and um, our players as a whole and, and, and catering it to where they are. 
instead of always where we want them to be. It's it's now you know we both coach at different capacities. Yours at a, a much higher level than mine, um, but there's that tendency to always want them to be at the next place. You know, I, I see it with my own daughter in in school. Uh, I've watched her school, her academic journey, and it it's constantly be, been we're preparing you for fifth grade and now we're preparing you for middle school and now we're preparing you for high school and now we're preparing you for college but when do they ever get to be in the the moment and be in where they are and uh, I, I think really focusing on on helping players enjoy where they are and not having to be something else is, is going to go a long way to helping it be more fun and more enjoyable for these players i mean i think you bring you bring up such a great point about we're kind of always looking at the the shiny the shiny new object and 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 like you say that the, the the shiny great players make up what five percent at, at most of, of the, yeah. the you know and i we're not on camera but i'm doing my air commas <laughs> the elite players that will go on to possibly a two-year institution possibly a four-year institution possibly even it, with, within the pro game, and probably by then we're going down to the zero point five percent. And I'm just curious, why do you think we? And I, I say we, the royal we. Why do we all lean in that direction of the superstar when it is in fact the players that just love the game that actually keep the youth and adult game alive? Because without them, there'd be nothing. Yeah. Yeah, not to, not to get too deep into uh, reshaping our uh, culture as uh, as Americans or Westerners, uh, but I think we just naturally revere those that achieve at a high level, and we all strive to and want to be that thing. Um, and we encourage our we encourage our children to do that as well. I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I think I've, I've done it with my own daughter and I, you know, I, I want her to be this high achiever, but really when it comes down to it as a parent and a, I just want her to be happy. I want her to be able to live a, a happy life and enjoy the things she does and not be, not live her whole life stressed and um, unhappy. And you know, over the years, I've, I've come to grips with the fact that she's going to find her own path and I don't have to do that for her. And and I think to relate that back to, you know, what we're discussing, I think, you know, there's a natural tendency for, I always say that there, there is nothing worse than a, a U8 rec game where every parent thinks their child is is going to be the next Ronaldo or Messi and, and they're losing their minds on the sidelines because things are, we, you know, in most of these games, you don't even keep score, but they absolutely keep score and um, they're keeping stats and I think they're producing cards and uh, whatever else. But, um, you know, it, and I think that's where as an organization we can, we can help um, and, and we can help with that, that education piece and that perspective piece and, and putting on events and other things that are just, just there to have fun. And it's, it's not there to, 
You don't have to win anything right now. You, you know, no game one as a seven-year-old does any college coach care about. Uh, probably no game one as a 14-year-old does any college coach care about. Um, so it, it's really about really instilling early love of the game. But how, how do we get these, how do we work as an organization, as in clubs, administrators, as coaches to instill love in the, of the game in these players? And I, I think steering away from kind of that, that hero worship uh, or that you all have to achieve at this extremely high level in order for you to, to play this game. Um, steering away from that's really going to go a long way to changing that culture a little bit. Yeah, you watch it in rec soccer and, and you know, what, what once was vibrant um, in the older age groups is almost non-existent now. And it's because, you know, kids feel like if I can't, if I can't make a club, if I can't play at this high level, then why should I even play? What's the point? Um, and that's sad to me. I mean, I, I hate to see that because, you know, I played a lot of different sports growing up and I didn't always play them all at a high level. Um, but I enjoyed them and I, I got the opportunity to play them and, and enjoy them. Um, because, you know, way back then we kind of looked at things a little differently than we do now. And, and not, I'm not one to, to want to, I'm not a hugely nostalgic person or want to go back into the past, but I think there's lessons that we can learn from, from the path that we've taken since and, and maybe reinstitute some of those things uh, to make it more enjoyable. Yeah. I like the point you make about the organization and, and how you know, we have the potential to steer it. And it makes me think, you know, the messaging is so important, but just like learning to be a good soccer player, you have to practice your skills. I think we as an organization have to keep practicing and refining our messaging and, and it can't be, you know, once a month or, you know, twice a month. It has to be a, a continuous uh, cycle of this is who we are. This is how we're going to do things. And, and so that we as an organization, it becomes part of our, our muscle. Yeah. As opposed, no. as opposed to right now, I, I sometimes feel like our messaging is, is a little weak and because our, our, our muscle for the messaging is weak. And so I think that, you know, it's, it's incumbent upon us to refine, refine what the, the, the message is. And like you've done, Anthony, is, is, is reaching out to the members and discovering what they want, what their needs are, and then reinforcing that with the infrastructure and the foundation of what CalSouth can provide. Yeah, no, you you hit it right on the head. I mean, I you know I'm a big proponent of communication, and I, I probably communicate to the point where you know, members are like, Ugh, "What does he want now?" Um, but that's okay. I mean, I, I I want our membership to know that we're there, that we're we have their backs, that at all levels, whether it's our clubs, whether it's you know, administrators within those clubs, the coaches, down to the parents and the players. I, I want them to know that 
that, that they're there and um, that they're not out there flying on their own. And um, I, I think there's a tendency for definitely some that are are less involved in the overall soccer world to feel that way. Um, and I think we have a responsibility to reach out to all of them and uh, to to communicate effectively and, and give them the information that they need to make good decisions. And um, yeah, I, I really agree that that's, that's our role. And, and I think vehicles like this are a, a good start in that direction. I applaud you for, for doing this and persevering through this. I can, I know you're doing this on your own time and your own dime and I appreciate that. And, um, I think the more we can incorporate like this um, and, and different, and, and also, you know, we have to be able to be willing to realize that how people digest their information changes. And, you know, for, at one time, everybody wanted a phone call and that's just not a thing anymore. And uh, email is falling less out of it not as much in favor as it once was and people want text messages or they want some other form of communication. We need to adapt to those things and, and get the information to people in the way that resonates for them. Where do you see the uh, future of youth soccer right now? Because obviously uh, throughout the country, it's pretty fragmented. Yeah. Can we exist under one umbrella or is it the, uh, the American way to have multiple multiple platforms yeah i mean do i think theoretically we could exist under one platform sure um but like you said i think it's the the american way for us to always think we can do it better and different and uh more effectively and uh to want to go out and try to do it on our own and, and there's nothing wrong with that um, I think that's a lot of times where the innovation comes from. Um, you know, being a parent and having gone through this system, there's definitely a need for some commonality or some universal messaging or consistency in messaging um, because it's, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a little bit of an inside track and to be able to decipher the information. Um, but the general parent out there doesn't have that and doesn't understand the information and doesn't understand what the, you know, necessarily what they're being told um, from one group to the next group to the next. Um, they don't understand the intricate details of how things flow down from USSF to their local team at the park that and nor do most of them probably care they they just want to know that their kid's going to have a good place to play they're going to be safe and you know hopefully they're going to learn some good life lessons and learn about the game and uh, most of most parents are, are would be happy with that and all the other nonsense they prefer to leave to people like you and i um but i i think you know, there's always going to be some fragmentation, but I think we could work toward a way of uh, better collaboration. 
So as, as we look forward to the future, and obviously we have a World Cup coming to the US in yeah. four years' time, really, and then we'll have the Olympics in our in our very own backyard. Hopefully, uh, Olympic soccer is still a sport by then. Uh, the way yeah. people are messing around, something could change. What, what what does your crystal ball look like for where youth soccer is going to be in? Let's just say twenty twenty eight. Are we are we going to see? An increase in numbers because over the last, I think, ten years, that the numbers have been going in in the opposite direction. Um, but with with the exposure that the sports about to get, um, does your crystal ball say that we're going to get more participants, or is or is the trend going to continue? Yeah, I, I mean, it's an interesting question, and I wish I had a crystal ball to give you that answer. But what I can, I, you know, I can give you my impressions, which are, I think. It's all ebb and flow. Um, I think things fall in and out of popularity, and and you know I love to see the performance by our, our U.S. team, and I know as they go, so goes uh, enrollment a lot of times. Um, you know, three three wins in a calendar year against Mexico that that's going in the right direction for us. Um, no offense to any Mexico fans out there, but. Um, I think, you know, we'll get an uptick of, of players playing the game as World Cup comes and there's the exposure and um, just there's more uh, there's more advertising around the game and there's, and, you know, it comes into people's minds more than it might now. And obviously the, the pandemic has affected numbers, but like you said, those numbers were already going down. I, I you know, not to keep going back to the same things, but I think as we can, we can build from the recreational level and build at the lower levels of the game, we'll bring those numbers back up. So it, it's going to take a concerted effort to, to get those numbers back up and keep them up. But I, I think there's some smart people around that have some good ideas that uh, can help make that happen. Um, but, you know, looking forward to, to all the soccer we're, we're going to have, here in Southern California, not only just the Olympics and the World Cup, but we've got two new NWSL teams coming into the area, and that that's exciting. Long time coming to have them in Southern California, um, and we've obviously got our, our MLS teams here and, and everything else going on. So, um, could be an exciting decade for soccer in Southern California, and, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, doing whatever we can as an organization to help promote that. And before I let you go, uh, a quick message to the, the members and the people you've been working with. They're all out here listening to this podcast. Yeah. What words do you have for them? I will just say, I, if you don't hear it on a daily basis, like as you should, uh, thank you for for everything you do to promote this game, to make this game better, to be there for these kids that that oftentimes uh, need need you in their lives, um, the the time and effort that you put in for the extremely high wages that some so many of you make, I'm sure um, you do it because you love the game, that you respect the game, and uh, 
you want to get back to your community. And this, this is a terrific soccer community that we have here in Southern California. And it wouldn't be that without all of you and the work that you put in. So we really appreciate you at every level. We want to hear from you. We want to make Cal South better for all of you. Um, and, and that comes from uh, your input, your participation, and uh, us doing a better job of listening to what the, all of that is. Thank you all. Anthony Piscicoli, the Vice President of Youth on the Cal South Board. And as always, if you want to get hold of us, go to calsouth.com. Lots of great stuff on the Cal South website. You can follow us on Instagram at Cal South Soccer, on Twitter at Cal South Soccer, and always on Facebook. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Webster. This has been The Bear and the Ball. Thank you so much for listening to us. We'll be back next week.